Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you. Um, if you are new to the church, we're glad that you're here today. We're glad that you decided to, to get up and join us on the Sunday morning. Um, they are, we have so many visitors here. I'm, we're thankful that, that you're here. It's good to, good to have you. Um, I want to ask also that uh, you would welcome. I've got some guests here from Minnesota who just went to the washroom. Um, <laughs> but there's one here. Um, please welcome. This is Logan Ketterling. Um, and then Kirk is, he'll be back some, sometime. Um, they are pastors at the church that my son Anjo now attends in Minnesota. Uh, and they are visiting us. And uh, the church is called River Valley Church. It's an amazing church. Um, they've got amazing, just everything they do is for the kingdom of God to advance God's kingdom. And the series that, that we're actually doing, um, did we welcome them? Did, I, did you like, guys give them an applause or something like that? Did we do that at all? Uh, I, sorry, I'm like, think. I was, uh, Kirk's still not here, but Logan can take it, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the, the series we're doing right now, which is called Greater Impact, it's actually birthed out of a visit. Um, our visit when we were on a sabbatical, we went to visit Anjo, and we went to River Valley Church. And, um, and if everybody looks to the exit door right now, you'll see Kirk, because he just came in from the washer. <laughs> it's not to make anybody feel awkward, but he's in here now. Okay, so so, so our, uh, um, the series called Greater Impact um, is, is birthed out of this visit to this church in Minnesota, which Andrew found um, online and started going to, and then Ermery found it also, and, and we visited there, and... and over, over the New Year's, and man, I was just blown away by the impact that this church is making, not only in Minnesota, but in the world. Um, the impact in their heart for, for not settling for, for just maintenance. So we're just going to do church on Sundays. Um, they have this, this passion and this heart to see the church advance. Um, they are passionate to, to speak God's word, and, and they want the lost to be found, and they want the broken to be healed. And man, it was, it was such an inspirational time, and that's why um, I believe what God has shown me for our church here, and what we've been speaking about the last two weeks is, is at Life Church, we got to wake up, like the church in Canada in general, but I'm not responsible for them. Over here where we are, we got to wake up. We can no longer settle for I'm saved and that's okay and that's it. Me and my family, we got to get a passion for the lost. There should not be one seat open in this church at any service. We should have multiple servers running almost continuously. Um, you've seen the, the Ashbury a revival and what's going on there. And, and I said two weeks ago, what's amazing about that is it wasn't a great message. It wasn't, man, the pastor gave such an inspirational message. What, what makes a revival happen is, is not when we turn the pastor's microphone louder. Well, yeah, we want to have greater impact. Put his microphone louder so that more people can hear him. It's, this is not what makes the impact. What makes the impact, what makes a greater impact 
is when... Fantastic. I mean, uh, microphone's back on. <laughs> worship this morning, amazing. We can enter into worship. Um, I promise you, every Sunday, I will preach the gospel. I will preach the true word of God. I will not deviate from it. I will not woke up the word. The word is awake enough. Um, I will not change it. I will not compromise on it. But the good news of your salvation, you have to think about the fact that you are not lost anymore and that should drive you to the place of going, I'm not content with just me being here. We have to get unsatisfied to the place where we are not content. Now, I want to say from last week to this week already, I've seen so many of you who have invited friends and friends who are here, welcome. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel awkward while I was standing there in the middle. Oh, good. <laughs> but the intention, the, the heart behind it is church. I want this place to be full so that we can preach God's word because there's nothing better than living for God. There's nothing better. Amen. So this means as believers, we, we've looked at, at, as a church to have a greater impact. We've looked at the fact that we must understand that we have an amazing God. The voice has to become the church's voice. And last week we spoke about to have a greater impact, there's going to be a greater cost. Which means sometimes the world, or not sometimes, the world will look at you and think that you are strange for standing on truths. There's going to be a greater cost, but the truth will set people free. If we have nobody standing on it, no one will get free. So it might cost you a little bit, but I'm telling you it's worth it. Now, together with a greater impact and greater cost, we cannot be the church the way we're supposed to be until we grow up. We have to grow. And I'm not just talking about numbers because numbers do make a difference. The greater the number, the greater impact we can have. But I'm talking about on a personal basis also. I know Christians that were, have been Christians for 40 years, and they're still the same person as the day after they got saved because they've never understood the fact that I am supposed to grow and mature in my faith. I can't just stay static anymore. So growing, the question that I want to ask you this morning is are you growing? If you're visiting this church, whatever church you've been at, wherever you've been before, I want to ask you, are you challenged in your growth? Because if you are simply told that you're okay, I'm telling you, move churches. Because every single one of us have to grow. If I'm not growing, we are in one of three states. Dynamic, static, or entropic. Dynamic is what? Growing. Static means maintaining. And when you are maintaining, you are in decline. We cannot just maintain our faith. We should be challenged. We should be challenged by the word. Growing is part of life. Now, 
I wrote down a few things in regards to how do you know that you are growing older? And here are some signs. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Number one, 6 a.m. is when you get up, not when you go to bed. Number two, this is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> uh, it's when you get into an elevator and it's, they play your favorite songs in the elevator. <laughs> it's like, then you know you're growing older, right? And you actually hum to it as if you're saying to the people next to you, this is my jam. <laughs> like Kenny G, <laughs> right? <laughs> you like a little Kenny G, Michael Bolton. Um, number three is when your favorite radio station is the traffic channel. I love the traffic channel. Unfortunately, I do. My kids have to listen to it always. Um, number four, your, your, your favorite band members all lived, live now in assisted living homes. <laughs> yeah, and this last one, I think is, this is my favorite one. You know that you've grown up or grown older when dinner and a movie is the whole date, not just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, your plans after dinner include Pepto-Bismo and sleep. Like you've already got that tablet set out on the counter when you come home, you know where it is. But listen, growing is part of life. It's part of life. Everything in this world has to grow. Here's a little biology. I'm going to show you an um, uh, uh, image. Um, I, oh, I don't know if you loaded. Oh, it is there. Fantastic. There, there's the image. So, so that's called the zygote. Now, life is amazing. The way God made life is, so, you've, so kids, this is biology 101. Ready? So there's a sperm. <laughs> Kaylee, I have to tell you somewhere how it all works. So there's a sperm, and it fertilizes an egg, and it forms a, a single 46-chromosome cell known as the zygote. That's it. That was you. That was us. And then what's amazing is, is this, thing, this thing divides and multiplies and divides and multiplies and divides and multiplies. And then that conglomeration of all the dividing and multiplying, finally, at some point, it implants into the womb of the, of, of, of the mother. And that thing keeps growing. It keeps growing. And the mom feeds it through the umbilical cord, and it keeps growing. Um, and eventually... At, say, 36 weeks, mostly the baby's born between 36 and 38 weeks. But that baby's cooked, ready to come out. Good to go. But isn't it amazing that this is where we come from, and without growth, that is where we would stay. And then what happens is there's different stages in growing. So you've got infancy, you've got toddlers, you've got early childhood, you've got adolescence. The teenage years, it's now scientifically proven that the brain stops working during those years. <laughs> and then somewhere after that, you've got early adulthood, right? Early adulthood. And then somewhere in your 20s, they say 26, the age of 26, you, you have your peak in your development. This is like, this is as good as it's going to get. That's like, you, your reaction time is good, your muscles, yeah, Logan, after this, you're getting downhill. 26, it's going down. Josh, it's going down. After this, it's going down. Like your cardiac function, everything is perfect at 26. And then after that, all of us start with a slow decline. Some of our declines a little faster, some of them a little slower. Now your spiritual life, so similar. It's so similar. It's... um. 
The first part of your spiritual life, I call the gestation period. And that's where the seed of God's word is planted in your heart. And then the Holy Spirit comes and it waters. And you don't just say yes immediately. It's not just like, yeah, I say yes to Jesus just because I heard about it. No, it's the, the seed plants. There's a seed that's planted in your heart. And, and then you go through this process of the Holy Spirit watering it. And then what happens in most people, conviction comes to a person where they feel convicted for their actions and for who they are. And then this, this desire starts in us for change and forgiveness and for purpose and for the meaning of life. And then at some point in that process, there comes the day of regeneration, which for us, we would call the 36th process where the child is born. The regeneration is we, where we say yes to Jesus. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And now we are born again. And life starts. Our spiritual life starts right there. That is not the end. That is simply the beginning. So after that, Growth should continue in every single one of us. We should grow in our relationship with God. We should grow in our knowledge of the word. We should grow in our function in the church. Because without growth, we just become someone who consumes and we don't contribute. And the church is a place for contribution so that we can change other people's lives. Now, unlike in the physical realm where you reach your peak development in your 20s, in the spiritual realm, it doesn't work that way. You can be 11 and be more mature than a 50-year-old. How? If you read the word and you apply it. Maturity in the spiritual realm does not come with age. Age does not determine how mature. I look at these, these two young strapping um, guys, pastors here from, from River Valley. Kirk is 33. He's the executive pastor of a church of thousands thousands their church is filled with i was i felt like the oldest person in the building <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy to see what influence they are having on people but it's because they were so dedicated in their love for god i mean rob ketterling is logan's dad rob's this the the senior pastor of the church he has this amazing vision and then when, when I hear Logan speak of the passion and the desires that they have to change the world, I think to myself, man, last night I'm sitting across and I'm thinking, you are 26 years old. And the maturity that you have and the experience that you have, besides having Justin Bieber at their church and uh, sitting next to him and then telling him, no, I don't want to go fishing. Besides that, which is pretty cool, um, Justin Bieber is a singer. He's a Canadian guy. Um, <laughs> but besides that, that doesn't mean anything to him. It means nothing to them. What, what, what has value to them? Are you growing in Christ? Are we making a difference? Most of us, if we get invited by Justin Bieber to, to go on a holiday, we would change our plans. Yeah, there you go, Felicia. We would change whatever plans we have. What they did is they prayed about, is that prayed about where am I supposed to be? And God said, you're supposed to go where you're going. You're not changing your plans. That comes through maturity. 
It doesn't just come because, you know, it's, it's the, the, the popular thing to do. And what we have to do as a church is we have to grow up. It does not come because you are old. It comes because you are in the Word and you are applying it. And you're seeing as you are applying it, you are changing people's lives. God wants us to grow. He wants us to reach maturity. 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Instruction to every single one of us. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. I don't know if you got that. God, that does not say God gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher to be the only ones to bring the salvation message to other people who they bring to church because they don't want to be involved with it at all because maybe they say no and then they look bad. The scripture is saying, my job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the kingdom. Every single one of you, you, you are called by God's church to function in a role that is only given to you. And you have an ability to do it, nobody else. So he says, so, so to equip the, the church um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of, our God, uh, Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what church is for. So what is the key to nutrition? If, if, if we say we want to grow, the key is nutrition. That, that's the key. If you want to grow, what are you eating? Proper nutrition. Proper nutrition accompanied by proper action. Nutrition is not the only thing. Action is also required. Both in the physical and in the natural realm. Because you can still be extremely unhealthy if you just eat and you don't use the energy that you're taking in. I have seen people who just eat leaves and drink water and they are still overweight and not functioning because they are not applying. They're still unhealthy because they're not applying the energy that they're taking in. And it's the same in the church. I've seen people who have consumed the word of God for years and years and years and years and they are not maturing. They actually become bloated Christians. We have dysfunctional Christians in churches and we as a church, we can stop that. You can stop that in your own life. Now in the spiritual realm, you need more than, than just nutrition. Um, you, you need the right actions also. So what is proper nutrition in the spiritual realm? Anybody knows? No? What's proper nutrition? Word of God. Eating the Word of God. Um, what else is proper nutrition in the, in, in the kingdom of God? Prayer. What else? Worship. What else? Fellowship. Good. Yeah, what else? Giving. Yeah. Well, that one came out by itself. Uh, <laughs> But that's awesome. We don't think of that, right? Well, yet, giving is the kindergarten of your growth. You can't go on to grade one if you understand that I do not serve money. Money serves me as I serve God. In the words of famous Greg Rochelle. 
In 1 Peter 2, he gives us these set of verses, gives us an idea on, on what we should do to grow. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. What I want to do this morning is, is I want to show you three ways to grow, and they're pretty basic. I heard this from Pastor Heidsick. It says the first one, three ways to grow. Remember your first bite. First thing, remember your first bite. Second way, second thing that you have to remember is avoid junk food. The third thing, eat the good stuff. That's actually so basic, it's weird to say that I heard it somewhere else. I should be able to come up with that myself. But it, it is really, it's really good when you listen to it. Remember your first bite, avoid junk food, and eat the good stuff. Let's start with the first one. Remember your first bite. Verse 3 um, of Second Peter says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I'm going to say that again. If indeed, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The entire thought of these verses hang on, on that if. If indeed you have tasted. If this is true, then this should be true also. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, then put aside the bad stuff. Feed on the good stuff. He's talking about your own personal experience, and this is important. This is so true for you, not because somebody told you about God's grace. It's not because you, you read it somewhere. It's not because you saw it on the television. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you have tasted it, if you have seen it, if you have experienced it, it means nobody can steal it from you. Nobody can take it from you. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. My question to every single one of you here, some of you might say yes now, some of you um, won't answer, and I don't want you to answer out loud, but my question is, have you tasted God's goodness? Have you tasted God's goodness? It's pretty awesome. Salvation tastes better than sin. Sin for some people might taste good in the moment. But the aftertaste of sin is like licking a dog's butt. It just stays there. What? You've never heard that expression? <laughs> I'm convinced it's Canadian. Okay, but think of the analogy though. <laughs> the aftertaste of sin. Think of it. Well, don't picture it. Just think of it. <laughs> Salvation is so good. It is so good that I can think of the moment I gave my life to Christ. I can remember the day. I can remember where I was. I can remember what I said. I can remember what I experienced, my emotions. I can remember every single aspect of it. It is so real that nobody can ever come to me and tell me that you did not experience God's grace. Because it was mine. I've tasted His goodness. Have you tasted his goodness is the question. 
That means you have the ability to say that I know that I am saved and I'm set free and God's grace covers all my sins and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. It means that you have the ability to say I'm no longer alone in any of these things that I'm going through. The world might not have hope, but because I have tasted God's grace, I do have hope. Where the world has no answers, I have answers. It's, it's like, okay, I'll give another analogy. It's like eating a raw potato, right, okay? Eating a raw potato your whole life. And then somebody takes you and they give you waffle fries. Is that better? <laughs> and you go, oh my goodness. I can't believe that I've been eating raw potato my whole life. Will I go back to raw potato? No, because what does it taste like? I told you earlier. <laughs> now you know. Isaiah 51 says, the Lord says to the prophet to his people, look to the rock from which you were cut and the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look and remember where you were. Look and remember the mistakes that you've made. Man, God saved my life. My life is saved because of God's grace. My children, I believe God is, God's grace has been in our home, in my marriage. I have the most amazing wife in the world because God's grace is part of our relationship. I have amazing kids who love God, who serves Him. Because God's grace is part of our home, how we parent, how we live. We have this healthy, beautiful church of people here. God's grace is in this place. And I can point almost at every single one of you. And I know what you've gone through. And I know of God's grace that you've experienced. But you have to remember the first bite. It's when we forget, then we become static. When we don't think of what God has saved me from, we become complacent. I'm, I'm good. I'm here. What else do I need? We have to remember the first bite, the taste of salvation. I want to give you a moment. Just remember, if you can. I don't know if it's maybe for some of you, you don't have that moment. And by the end of the service, I, we will give you that moment where you can have that moment. But maybe right now, just for you, before we go on, I want you to think of that moment, that moment when it was either at camp or at church or, or um, maybe in somebody's room, maybe in a dorm room, maybe in a study place, where you had that moment of going, man, God, I'd receive your grace. I will never forget it. We have to remember our first bites if we want to grow. So that's the first one. The second thing that we have to do is, we have to cut our junk food. Avoid junk food. Verse 1, therefore laying aside, and these are the five junk foods that you've got to lay aside. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. We've got to lay those things aside. What Peter is doing is he's reminding them of their old life. That should be your old life. These are the things that you once fed on and enjoyed and couldn't wait to get to your girlfriends to talk about you know what and who. You've got to move beyond that and lay that aside. It's, 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 it's a step of growth. 
Because it will come to you and you have a choice. Am I going to feed on it or am I going to not feed on it? We have to lay aside junk food. Like I know you want to grab the bag of chips. Don't do it. Step away. Back away from the chips. Because you're going to spoil your appetite. You're going to spoil it. So let me tell you a true story. <laughs> it's going to gross you out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I know you're totally fine with it because this is Gross Out Sunday. So <laughs> you guys didn't know that you came to Gross Out Sunday. So um, I've told the story before, but it's one of the best experiences, uh, life experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, my father-in-law owned a game farm in Namibia. And then what we used to do is uh, once a year, we would go for a week. We would go hunting on the game farm, um, animals and guns. And all the vegan people, I'm so sorry. Um, because we make beef jerky, and it is so delicious. But after that, we would go fishing. We would go fishing at this bay. It's called Tora Bay. Um, it's in the Namib Desert. So the ocean is on the one side, and behind you are sand dunes, just these beautiful sand dunes. And there's wild animals that you'll be fishing, and then there'll be a pack of lions walking behind you on the dunes. Um, what we discovered and what they told us the first time we went, don't think that the safest thing to do, that if the lions do come towards you, is to run into the ocean. <laughs> because these lions swim. <laughs> so, so you can either go for the sharks on that side, or the lions will eat you in between. So, so if you see the lions coming, jump into the car. Whatever you do, jump into the car. So we'll, we'll be fishing, and then there'll be elephants, and there'll be lions, and beautiful antelopes, and giraffes, and everything just walking behind you. It's just this amazing place. Oh, only open one month in the year. So the amount of fishing you do is out of this world. Um, it is beautiful. The sand is so hot that you bake bread in the sand. You don't make fire. You just make dough, put it in a steel pot, put it in the sand. It heats up the bread. We do it in the morning when we come back to camp, open it up, bread's baked. Beautiful. Amazing. So what you have to do is there's no, there's no shops. There's nothing there. So you have to pack everything that you want to eat. You have to take with you. So we pack food, but we never pack treats or anything sweet. But my father-in-law, he has a sweet tooth. Like when we have Krispy Kreme Sunday here, um, and we have like eight different donuts, he eats all eight. Like he's got a sweet tooth like none. And what he does is he takes his own can of sweetened condensed milk. And then what we would do is we would sit around the fire at night after we've been fishing, and then he would crack a can open, just put a hole on it on both sides, punch a hole in, and then he'll sit in front of us, and he'll sip his condensed milk slowly, as if to mock us, right? Just sipping his condensed milk, the best thing in the world. And then he laughs that you don't have any. And if you ask if you can have a sip, he goes, no way, you should bring your own. So one morning... Yeah, he has his condensed milk up and take a, a quick swig before he goes. We're going to go in the Land Rovers, puts the can down, and he forgets to put the lid on. So we go fishing the whole day. We come back evening time. We're sitting around the fire. Takes his sweetened condensed milk out again and takes a sip and mm, rolls his tongue, looks at us. I can see he pulls a little frown on his face. Takes another sip and mm, rolls his tongue again. Takes a third sip and... By the time of the third sip, you can see there's really something in there. Um, he thought it was little sugar clumps that formed um, throughout the day because of the heat and the sugar. But what it was, it was those, you know, those beautiful big flies you get, those black beauties. They are, 
Like, like it sounds like a helicopter when they're in the house. Like those things. So they crawled into the can. So when he was rolling his tongue, thinking it's sugar, it was black flies he was swallowing down. Fantastic. So, so now I lost my appetite for a sip right there. But here's the thing. So you've tasted God's goodness. Right? You've tasted. You've tasted sweet and condensed milk. And it is fantastic. But what happens is, sometimes in our lives, there are five flies that's swirling around in that, that condensed milk, that sweet and condensed milk, which we have to get rid of in our lives. It doesn't mean the moment you get saved, you are automatically clean and pure and everything's just going to go right. Growing means we have to get rid of junk food. You have to get rid of the flies that you know that you're currently still sucking on. Twirling around. The five relational sins. Horizontal sins between people. You want to grow? You want to grow this church? Our testimony to get stronger? How are you horizontally? With people in your community, your family members, the people outside um, at school who you work with. If we get rid of these things, we actually have a chance of influencing them. So don't feed on these things. First one, malice. Malice is another term for evil. Um, it's a bad attitude that spills into bad words and into bad actions. It's when you think uh, of things that you will do to somebody if you were ever in a position again where you would see them. You have to fight against those. Like right now, I am fighting against them because of Anjo's hockey coach in Minnesota. Man, I have had nights where I find myself thinking, if I, ha if I ever see this guy again, he's small. I know I can take him. <laughs> now, we have these thoughts about people in our lives. What malice is, you keep rolling with that th those thoughts, and then those thoughts actually becomes your actions. What we should do is when those thoughts comes into your head of somebody who you know you would love to love, what you have to do is that's where you go, God, I just pray for your grace and your mercy and your protection over them. Because what are you doing? You are now feeding on God's word. You're not feeding on malice. We should not feed on evil. We should not think evil or have bad ideas or concepts towards other people. The second one is deceit. Now, the word deceit is a Greek word that literally means to bait a hook. Um, it's like fishermen, when, when we go fishing, is we hide the hook in the sardine so that the fish don't see the hook. So deceit is when you lie or when you don't tell all the truth, you omit truth in order to get your way. It's kind of also a manipulative way to get somebody to do what you want them to do by not giving all the truth. Harms your testimony. It harms your growth. We should not have deceit in our life. The third one is hypocrisy. Most of you know what hypocrisy is. In the New Testament, um, hypocrite, hypocrites, 
is the Greek word that they used. And it was used for Greek performers. They would have these, these arts festivals where the Greek performers would have masks that they would pick up to, to fool the audience about what they are feeling or experiencing. They'll pick up a mask and there'll be a, a smile on it or there'll be a frown on it. And a hypocrite is somebody who walks around with masks. We should not be hypocrites. Uh, we should not be a people that are pretending that is one of the biggest accusations against the church. It's filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Have you heard that? Have you said that? Why? Why on earth is that the testimony that the world has about us? It should not be. We should not be known to be hypocrites. We should be known to be sincere and honest and loving and caring and being consistent. This is who I am today. This is who I am tomorrow. When we were in River Valley, um, I said to Emery, man, they have these all the, this, there's a lot of energy there. Like the pastors are full of energy. And I said to Emery, yes, I wonder if that guy on stage is going to be the same when he gets off stage. And I'm thinking there's no way. The amount of energy he has, there's no way that's a After the service, I meet him, and he's like, hey, what you doing? Hey, like, it's exactly the same guy. <laughs> that was not a hypocrite on stage. This is who he is. Passionate, on fire for God. Man, can I pray for you? What's your name? Gonna... Like, I've never met this guy before, and he was so passionate about me, and it was the same passion he, he showed from the front. That's how we should be seen. We shouldn't be fake. Um, we were watching a, a news program about a lady that was busted in Florida. It was so funny. And when I'm watching this program, she, uh, there, there was a crime and the, the chief of police was making an announcement about this murder suspect that they've just arrested. And just before they made the announcement, there came a death interpreter, sign language interpreter, um, that said she has been sent and um, she's going to do the sign language for the TV broadcast. Well, she sign language for a week before they discovered she does not know any sign language. <laughs> so she got paid for a week to do sign language that she didn't know how to do. And then I thought, yes, I wonder if this ever happened before. And then I discovered one of the biggest events in the world, the death of Nelson Mandela. So at the death of Nelson Mandela, every state leader of the world was there. Barack Obama went to speak at Nelson Mandela's death. So next to Barack Obama is Tabu Hunzizwe. And what does Tabu do? Sign language. Sign like broadcasted to, what, 58 million people watching this guy do sign language. So after, after the funeral... The director of the Death Federation of South Africa told the associate press, he said the following, the stage was a fake. The man was moving his hands around, but there was no meaning in what his hands were for. He was a fake and he got paid. That's the thing about hypocrisy. You might get paid, but you will get caught because your truth will come out. And we have to make sure that as Christians, as believers, that people can't say, man, that guy's fake. That guy's fake. Yes, it's one of my deepest things is if being consistent. Like, they are consistent people here. 
Your consistency is one of the most valuable testimonies that you have. Are you consistently like this? Open arms, come on in. We love you. We want you to be here. Is that who you are consistently? You don't have to be perfect. We're not talking about perfection. But are you consistent in your, in your desire to see God and to see God? Um, next one, envy. Envy is jealousy at the success of others. And this is where, where we catch ourselves. It's the second part of envy that we catch ourselves with. It's jealousy at the success of others. Second part, or joy at the misfortune of others. That's envy. Man, that guy who went for that contract, oh, he didn't get it. <laughs> right? That person get, didn't get that thing. They didn't achieve what they're supposed to achieve. Oh, that performance wasn't as good as she thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's envy. We have to fight against that. Last one, evil speaking. Evil speaking, it means you speak down to or down towards someone. And, and evil speaking is, is gossip, backbiting, rumor. Some of you have a sense of rumor, not humor. You have a sense to, there's like, well, you can sniff a rumor out, and man, there's nobody better at spreading it. The other thing about this evil speaking um, is it's not just slander. Slander is not just with your words. It's actually with your facial expressions also. Oh, that guy was amazing. Sure. Listen, church, what are we doing? Why do we talk about these things? Because we want to remove the junk food from our lives. We want to be effective in the world. This is not just, man, okay, yeah, let's see if we can fix these things. We want to fix these things for a purpose and a reason. The last thing that we're going to get to. So, so we've said, okay, remember your first bite. Number two, avoid the junk food. And the last one, eat the good stuff. Now, what's the good stuff? Verse 2, it says, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Desire the milk, that you may grow thereby. You know, when, when is the highest rate of growth in the human body? Infancy stage. That's when, when there's more growth that happens during that time. Weekly babies change. And the reason is, is because they eat a lot. And they crave milk. They want to eat. They want the mother's milk. And those nutrients that's in the milk causes them to grow. But you got to eat the good stuff. you got to have a desire for the good stuff. Uh, the whole band can come up. Thanks, guys. We must become hungry for the good things in God's Word. Now, the church, a big part of what we do here is when we speak on Sunday mornings and when we teach, we want to show you the good things of God. We want to show you the Word, and we want to teach you the Word and the Bible. We want to give you instructions on what the Word says. Um, we want to worship together. It's a good thing. We're worshiping, right? I'm eating the good stuff. There's a different way of being in worship. There's being in worship. That's not eating the good stuff. That's just being present when there is good stuff. You actually got to eat it. You got to know it. 
You've got to know what the truth is. You have to be able to distinguish between what is good and what is bad. You must be able to know what is real truth and what is half truth. Because if you don't know what truth is, you will eat half truth and that's junk. It won't cause you to grow or you'll grow in the wrong direction. You got to know what the truth is. There's this illustration that I heard years ago, and I'll never forget it. It's an illustration about people who were working at the treasury of the U.S. bank, the, um, and their jobs were to, uh, to identify false bills, counterfeit money. So what you would think you would do if you want to identify counterfeit money is you think you would study counterfeit money, but they don't. They don't touch counterfeit money. The only thing they study is the real thing. They study real money. They feel what it feels like. They feel the weight of it. They feel how it bends. They feel how it rolls. They, they look at the colors in it. They study real money so much that when a fake bill comes across their table, they are able to identify it, not because they know what fake is, but because they know what real is. So the thing about truth is you must be able to know what real truth is so that you can identify from a society and a world and a culture surrounding us that keeps telling us things. You must be able to identify and spot truth in a moment. That is not truth. That's not God's word. That's not going to cause life. That's not going to grow. That's not going to build. That's not the truth. That's truth disguised. That's not the real truth. I know what truth is like because I've grown in it. And you can't grow in it unless you are surrounded with it. Are you studying worship? Are you studying worship by doing it? Are you studying God's Word? Are you reading it? Are you allowing God's Word to read you, to reflect on you? What changes do I need to make in my life to become more like you, Jesus? Are you able to identify the fruits of the Spirit? Are you able to function in them? Not just, not just in the sense of, I know some of them, I think I can list a few of them. No, listen, church, we got to get serious. The world is lost. We were driving last night and I said one of the, the, the hardest things right now in this world is we don't know who to believe. I said, can you imagine if there was suddenly just a news report that reveals truth, big truths, truths like, where did COVID come from? Like for real. But not, not superstitious. Like this is, this is truth. Somebody comes forward. I'm going to tell you the truth. We do not believe people. We do not believe the news. So we can't. And what do we do is we build our lives regarding fake truths. We form parties regarding it. We split the church because of it. People leave this church because of it. Because we've built things that we think there is the truth. And, and the problem is we don't know what truth is. When we hear it from them. But man, you should know the truth in your life. This is the only consistent thing that will never change. God's truth will never change. It's the only thing. It's the only truth you should study and you should be able to identify in a moment and know this is truth. And I will not walk away from truth. Now, we have to learn to how to conduct ourselves in grace and love so that we can influence those with the truth. That's very important. But church, we got to know the truth. And the only way is you, you got to grow. You got to grow. You got to take that step when we worship now again. Um, let's, let's do, um, yeah. Turn on my hands, praise you again and again. Um, 
Okay, so the thing about that is, right, what, what we got to do is part of growing in your truth, you, you know what it is? It's actually... I raise up my hands. That's the one part. The, the, what, what's that part? I throw up my hands. I started crying when she was singing it. It's, it's that thing of saying, God, surrendered totally. Your word. Your word says something. I don't necessarily feel like it, but you know what? I'm going to grow. I'm going to change my opinions. I'm going to follow your truth. I'm going to get serious about church. I'm not going to visit it once every six months. It's great to see you, but hey, I'm going to get serious about my relationships so that my kids can see how serious I am about my love for my father. You've got to make changes, people. It's, it's what growth is about. Now, remember your first bite. Don't eat junk food. Feed on the good stuff. I do want to give you an opportunity. If you can't remember your first bite because you've never had it, if you've never said yes to God's grace, if you've never said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, man, this is your time. This is your moment. This is the time to do it. And if you've wandered off, you're so far off that you know, man, I have to go back and I want to remind myself again of saying yes. This is your moment to say yes again. So as we sing the song, just throw yourself into it. Don't be a passenger. Don't be a spectator. Participate. And I'm telling you, you're going to see growth faster than what you can imagine. And then church, we can influence the world. And we will have a greater impact. I'm convinced of that. Let's push. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.